Hello everyone, this is your host Christian Massar with another episode of the Historical Thoughts and Interpretations podcast. We'll be continuing our series about the psychology of faith. Now, last week we talked about faith and the intellect. How do the intellect or the human mind and religion act together? So we've been talking about some of those questions over the last two episodes and I apologize that this episode is a little bit late but uh, we'll be uploading this very soon just after recording this and we will get right back into it. Uh, But first, a little bit of a message. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and I hope that you've been enjoying the thoughts given in the episodes. But I would like to ask if you would consider making a pledge to the Historical Thoughts and Interpretations podcast on Patreon. I have many projects in mind for this podcast and the books, paper, and so on needed to produce the episodes will not be free. Help keep historical thoughts flowing so that we can interpret the past and learn from it. You may pledge any amount that you like and whatever you choose to give will be appreciated. Thanks a lot and let's get back to the episode. So this episode is about the response to revelation or response to the idea of God or a divine being of some kind. So people will respond to, to God or to the idea of God in different ways. Many will reject him and continue living in atheism or other forms of disbelief. A second group is one may respond with agnosticism, who may not be overtly hostile to the idea of, of a god or religion, but they're perhaps unconvinced about the idea of God impacting the rest of their lives. Then there is the third group, the spiritual religious people who decide to trust in and follow God or some kind of a religious faith. In this uh, little episode, we'll talk about, we'll look at how God is seen to be revealed to people, focusing on, uh, focusing on Christianity. And what happens when people reject or accept revelation? I suggest that the, you know, in, in religion, it is believed that God can use creation and human intellect, specifically by using the example of memory, for example, to reach out to people. There are many ways in which the revelation of a god can or god can reach a person one way is through nature for example in the christian idea in chapter 1 of the book of romans the apostle paul said that creation makes god's quote eternal power and divine nature evident when one looks at a beautiful mountain scene a snowflake's perfect symmetry the uniqueness of a person's fingerprints or perhaps even the perfect design of a dog's digestive system, one is likely to see these as a designer's handiwork. Many religious people will observe such natural wonders and comment, look at this wonderful world that God has made. And in Christianity, even though the designer is invisible, a person can come to a basic awareness of this being of God simply by looking at nature. Contemplation almost certainly follows, for people do not give mere glances at beautiful things, but they truly pay attention to them. And this was suggested by Roger Scruton in his work, Beauty, A Very Short Introduction. 
Andrew Pinson would also suggest that this contemplation of nature could very well lead to real faith, which, according to the medieval Catholic theologian Thomas Aquinas, is the first infused virtue. So real faith is the first infused virtue, and the contemplation of nature can lead to this. Faith is the first step to a relationship with God, and it's necessary before the other two infused virtues, which are hope and love. From faith, one may continue on to pursue a God-centered religious life. But others respond differently. They're the people from the first group, those who reject the idea of God, the atheists. According to Christianity, atheists have no excuse for not believing, because according to Christianity, the God's existence is evident through nature. But atheists also still do not choose to follow the revelation through to an actual relationship with God. These people, the Christian Bible would suggest, will spiral down deeper into deeper sin and insatiable lust. Many in the modern area might run to the prevalent lust of pornography, which Roger Scruton suggests is a perversion of true beauty. This is an example of this idea of rejecting God and just continually pursuing, uh, continually pursuing the world. Um, those who reject the idea of God may also sink into idolatry, worshipping nature instead of its creator, which is also suggested in Romans 1 as well. This is another perversion of beauty or nature. One might argue that not everyone who rejects religion or the idea of God will become an idolater or worship nature or, um, or sink deeper into, into lusts or, or depravity. But according to the Christian, Christian view, without God, there is no true meaning. There is no true life. So the definitely the door is open to deeper and deeper sin because only true righteousness is um, is available through the acceptance and obedience of towards God. Eleanor Stump would suggest that these people are subject to God's, quote, consequent will. God wills or desires people to come to him in faith. This is his antecedent will. But when people reject him, by God's consequent will, he, hands them, he allows them to be handed over to a life of continual sin and reckless abandon, as just suggested, as just discussed. This is ultimately not what God originally desired in his antecedent will. What urges, then, humankind to worship either God or idols? Because, remember, one of the alternatives is is uh, belief or perhaps falling into idolatry, which, according to uh, the Christian Bible, is the idea of a, a, a perverted sense of the divine. Sort of a trying to grasp on to something that is divine, but not really, according to the Christian view. Plato and Immanuel Kant would suggest that humankind's uh, desire to worship God or idols is due to an innate religious attraction to beauty. This connection between beauty and religion is apparent when God, God himself is described as beautiful. In both theology and everyday religious life in Christianity, 
God is perceived this way when people appreciate his magnificent creation and divine, loving nature. The words of W. W. Meissner come to mind when he said that religion results from basic, quote, infantile trust in a caretaker. In other words, humankind has a, an inner attraction to the divine based on the childlike tendency to trust in a caring being that is greater and more powerful than them. Now that we've established human, humanity's, quote, innate in attraction to beauty or to an idea of God, what is next? Looking at and appreciating beauty is one thing. Accepting or rejecting God comes down to an intellectual decision in the end. Yes or no. Connie Schwab and Richard Conrad would suggest, quote, a mental leap is needed to progress from external sensory experience and a further leap is required if we are to mount up to God, end quote. So how does revelation or the idea of God act in the human psyche? Again, belief in God eventually comes down to an intellectual decision, yes or no. So the human intellect eventually plays a direct role. In his Confessions, Augustine of Hippo believed that God worked through his memory. This, Augustine wrote, helped lead his wayward path to that of the Lord. Augustine remembered certain events or, quote, providential encounters in his life, including when he stole a pear during adolescence. In this sinful act, Augustine was acting like someone who rejected God, looking for beauty in worldly pursuits, the pear. This is the idea, this is sort of a, a metaphor or similar to the idea of, of the Christian idea of going to idols or to following, worshipping something in nature rather than worshipping the creator. But through his walk down memory lane, Augustine realized that he was, quote, seeking God in the wrong places. He was going for the created rather than the creator. This is why these past events were considered, were he called, were what may be called providential encounters. Memory helped Augustine realize that he had been confused about what he truly desired. He thought he could find meaning in the world by stealing the pear when it was really God that he truly wanted. Augustine came to know that he was not truly flourishing in life, but a relationship with God could reverse this situation. Like Augustine, somebody might reminisce upon his own past memories and quote providential encounters. He might remember the times he narrowly escaped a fatal car accident, survived a deadly disease, or met the love of his life. This person might see God's hand in these events. Reflection upon such memories could form the basis of a faith that would blossom into a religious life. Likewise, God was able to, quote, speak, sort in a way, to Augustine through his memory, which was part of his intellect. Faith and the intellect, the mind reaching out to faith. Through this, Augustine was finally able to accept God, who Thomas Aquinas called the true, ultimate, proper object of love. Augustine was unlike those who rejected God, 
those who were intellectually stuck in humanity's fallen nature and those who perhaps worshipped lust or and or idols. So in the Christian idea of, uh, of response to revelation, we can see that God is seen as revealing himself through nature. People contemplating nature are likely to see God at work. If they are receptive to his will, they may come to God in faith. God can also touch the human intellect, such as Augustine's memory, which is part of nature. Through intellectual faculties such as memory, God can reveal himself to a person when he or she reflects on a past providential event or intellectually analyzes a religious text. Such actions can help one make the, quote, intellectual leap required to go beyond mere worldly existence and reach up to God, the source of true life and beauty. Well, that's it for this little short little episode. We have one more episode talking about the psychology of, of faith. And, and uh, so I hope you've been enjoying this, this series, these little thoughts. We've gone a little bit off the, the history here. But in this, we've been able to look at the writings of past, his, past uh, theologians, such as Augustine of Hippo and Thomas Aquinas. And until next time, which I will also post uh, this week, the fourth and final episode of our series, we will uh, see you next time until then, and have a great one, and be well, and be healthy, and keep learning.